This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing Norm Self-Checkout for All. Do you often find yourself in a tizzy with a credit card reader? Or perhaps tiptoeing around tipping etiquette? Maybe even paying scandalously steep card not present fees? Norm is here to solve it all. Think of Norm as payment simplified. No card reader for you. No wallet for your client. Instead, patrons pay and tip you straight from their phones. Checkout details are carried through the ether by either a text message or QR code. Your client receives a notification and pays with their previously saved card details. All they have to do is add a grand, luxurious gratuity. And all available with one low rate as a part of Schedulicity Pay. Try Norm Self Checkout for All. Safe, secure, and shockingly simple. Find out how using Norm can increase tips, speed up payment, and free you from unreliable card readers all at one low rate. Visit paywithnorm.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my boy Tone. What's up, buddy? What's happening, brother? Man, I'm excited about today. You're excited every day, just like I am. Yeah, but I today is definitely... Well, we got the greatest job in the world. How are we not excited, man? Right? But today, it, you know, it, it, the conversation... I am so curious how this conversation is going to go because... Yep. Uh, the people that we were having on the day has been disrupting the industry for a little while. And, dude, I'm excited. Uh, listen, they have been disrupting the industry for, I don't know, damn near 10 years or going on 10 years now. And uh, it's like the whole, like we talked about it last year, like when we had Kia on and how like all her hard work then, um, you know, with the with, with, with social justice movement and stuff, she she, she kind of like, it was her time to shine. She, she had worked five years to get there and then all of a sudden she kind of blew up and like, you know, now she, she, it just made her super relevant, you know, when um, when all that stuff popped off with George Floyd last year and, and how it impacted our industry. And and today our guest is Destroy the Hairdresser, it's Sid and David, and, and they've kind of done the same thing, right? They've been working really, really hard to be like, we have to rethink our business. We have to rethink what's been done because the future of our industry is going to be different than the way that it's looked before. Yeah, and, and they're looking at, it, looking at it through hairdressers' eyes, right? So it's like, what benefits you? How does it help you? Not necessarily, you know, the big brands or, pro, or products, et cetera, et cetera. But how does it help you, the hairdresser, the, the the people who work behind the chair and and get it and get her done, and 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 business owners as well. But, oh you know, yeah, hundred percent. But but it's it's working 
it's working on this side of kind of the brands and like exactly you know the, those that those whose uh, feet hurt at the end of a Saturday as, as I like to say um, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we'll get into like why your feet don't have to hurt on the, on the end of a Saturday but you know that's a whole another story but but we're really excited about them they definitely have been disrupting it um, they blew up on Clubhouse like uh, if you're not on Clubhouse all you Android users go buy an iPad um, Clubhouse is like it's a different world when it comes to like coaching like there's like People are getting like PhD or giving PhDs on Clubhouse about like how your business is run. And it's like the most ultimate the one thing that happened with 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 the pandemic and stuff is that we there's so many coaches in the in the arena now, and a lot of those coaches can be found on on, on Clubhouse. But there's nobody like Sid and David when it comes to like and 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 I'm not gonna lie, like you go to like when when Sid and David are on the Clubhouse room, like they've got hundreds and hundreds of people listening in because everything that they that comes out of their mouth is fire. And everything that comes out of your mouth is like, let's rethink that, let's reassess that. You know, so anyways, should we stop talking? Yeah. I'm, yeah, enough about me and you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Let's get in. So Sid and David, first off, welcome back to uh, your day off. Hi, uh, thank it- you been a while it has been i think we uh, i would think it was like mid 2018 and um you know we uh when we started the podcast you were certainly one of the podcasts that we looked to um to see like hey you know there's you know because when we started when we all started there was only a couple podcasts in the space oh, yeah. there still is there's not enough of us oh i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not, we haven't hit true crime level so right, exactly you know we have some work to do <laughs> we're solving problems, but not solving crime. So we're not we're not highest on the podcast list yet, but we're doing well. We actually just hit a hundred thousand downloads, which is really exciting. That's awesome! Uh, Congrats. Yeah, so yeah. we're we're proud of that number, and that just means that hopefully we've hit a certain number of hairdressers and salon owners in the industry, and that our message is kind of being saturated and sent to everyone. Hopefully, hopefully that's what those hundred thousand. And we're actually in a studio now. And we have a producer versus when we first started in 2016, (laughs) we were sitting on our kitchen floor with one mic hovered over it. Yeah. In 2018, you guys were living together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All we had then was a couch. That was the yeah. only difference. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have starved together, grown together, done everything. We we literally put our whole our whole everything into this building this business, and it's incredible to see. Um, you know, we we linked up as partners, like in, as business partners in 2012, but we really launched just for the hairdresser in 2016. And that's when everything really started to come together. And not until last year were people finally like, okay, we're waving our white flag. Like we've nothing left what we're ready to listen, you know? And that was so such a great moment. Cause we're like, this is our time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> and the beauty is that we didn't have to change anything we were saying. Mm-mm, and that was, a, that, was that made me feel really good about our company as well. I, I think, I think the one thing that the pandemic has done or certainly the isolation of it as hairdressers is that it's, it, it's kind of shook us up a little bit. And now, you know, now we, we've, we've been forced to kind of remove that thin veil of, of, of ego. And we're like, okay, we have to look at our business now, right? It's not, we're not just like working every day and putting cash in our pocket. Now we have to treat it as a business because we've seen what not treating it like a business looks like and feels like. So we have to shift. And, and I think yeah. that you guys are in that perfect space for that. And the way that you guys, uh, once again, I mean, disruption, it should be disrupt the hairdresser. 
you guys have just you've, you've disrupted the entire industry and everything that 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 I've held. I'm going to be honest. I, I I grew up in a summit salon, so everything that I've held as as gospel, you guys are kind of talking against it. And I'm not I'm not resistant to it at all. But I'm just saying that you, you you're forcing everyone to kind of rethink how we are creating our business and how we're doing our business and 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 how we can um and how our businesses may look moving into the future. I love I it every time on Clubhouse. After we do a Clubhouse, David Corey texts me and be like, "Kill it!" or he'll send me fire emojis, <laughs> or he's like, "The queen of Clubhouse!" Like he like hypes me up, like on the back end. <laughs> I yeah, it was funny when Clubhouse first came on the scene. I was very the whole our team. We have a team of eight now. Was like David, we have to get on Clubhouse, and I was like, we barely do TikTok. Like I can't add this <laughs> other like like we're Instagram. We built our business on Instagram. And I was turning into that person that I coach against, which is like getting stuck in how things are. And so I like, I, I put my ego aside and I was like, let's try it. I'm overwhelmed. Let's do it. And then of course it like. The first room we did, we had like 300 people in it. It was <laughs> nuts. And then ever since then, our clubhouse is almost at a thousand members and lots of followers. And it's, it's just really nice. It's finally like after six years you know, or I guess five years, six years, people are finally listening. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it did, it took five, six years just to keep repeating ourselves, repeating ourselves, repeating ourselves. And what I love is that we have our OG students that have been with us for those five years and they're, they all survived the pandemic. They all made money during the pandemic. They all did well. And that was when we knew, you know, that, our company was actually helping people in a really big way. We knew it was helping before this really showcased the benefits of, of streamlining your business and starting to like, just critically think about, you know, what's all we we do so much garbage. We do so much extra stuff that we don't really need to do when we really can just boil it down to doing hair, charging our, a valuable price for our time. And then really just, really just making that money and enjoying our jobs. We don't have to do all these extra things. And it's funny how much work that takes to kind of trim all that, those old belief systems off. But I think the pandemic, like you said, it punched people right in the ego and they were like, okay, I don't, I don't know. Not them on their asses. And I, I will say we, when pandemic first hit, like when it, first came like March of 2020, right? Like it, we only lost 20% of our students, which is a very small number. And it was happening so rapidly that we were like, David and I kind of panicked, like, what do we do? But within three months, 80% of those 20% that we lost came back. And A, that's a testament to like how valuable our program is, but also the fact that we only lost 20%, that 80% stayed in our business. I mean, I we had some students that were like, we're canceling all of our subscriptions just to keep coaching because I know that we were able to do this. And, you know, in 2020, we had multiple salons open second locations. Um, we had people go from independent to open locations because of the work they were doing with us. And then we even had a couple of salons hit their million dollar marker in a pandemic. So that's wow. incredible. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. And, and, you know, when you go into a pandemic, it shakes the foundation of, of really, uh, of your belief in your mm-hmm. in your business 
and by you guys being able to grow people like that, and, and especially salons and, and people opening up salons uh, in, a, in a pandemic, that speaks volumes of your program. Yeah. I mean, hats off. That is pretty amazing. But I want to get back to what you said earlier, David, about you had to check yourself. You had to check your <laughs> ego. You had to uh, kind of remove that because, you know, you preached against uh, what kind of like in the rut that you were in, not necessarily a rut you were in, but that, you know, the tired you're stuck or whatever how how do you coach yourself out of that how do you let's i have a coach a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a All big thing for us coaches. like we we both david and i both have coaches we have business coach spiritual coaches we have therapists we're really big on making sure that you build your board of people to support you to keep you who you need to be to be a leader right because you can't do everything yourself as much as your ego wants to tell you you can i also uh, think that like <clears throat> i you know i think when you own a business whether it's salon or any company you think i have to do everything and really realizing like oh like there's a team here that wants to do clubhouse why would i tell them no like why would i even like i had a moment with myself where i was like why would i say no to like desire that these people have to grow and do things and i think even as hairdressers as salon owners people are like they want to raise their prices they want to do different things and the salon owner their boss says no, 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 you can't do that. And that's, I could hear myself. I think also because we talk about it so much, you know, it still happens to us, but I think we just, we maybe our, our turnaround time is a little bit quicker. And I think that's what, that's the important message is that coaching isn't about, you're going to change your thinking overnight. It's you're going to learn how to think and that eventually you're going to be able to catch yourself in those moments when you're reacting to everything. And now I got, I've gotten to a point where if I don't like something, my next thought is it's probably the best, probably the best <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> he just gives it. He's got yeah. like, out of everyone, our assistant is, uh, is a guy, but you're the, really the only guy in a group of girls. So he just has like all of us girls being like, David, like Adam yeah. constantly. Like, I love it. It's <laughs> great. Cause it's like, I, you know, I get, it's funny because I feel like I'm the most flexible in the business. I I have I want to do all the new things, but it's and then I'm shown very quickly like, oh no, I'm I'm not <laughs> not the most flexible. But that that comes down to belief system again, right? You believe you're the best, but yeah, uh, exactly flexible. But then like when 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 push comes to shove, you're like, wait a sec, bro. yeah, exactly. You know, self check, self check time. <laughs> I will say too, like you know, we really focus on Instagram. David and I built all of Destroy the Hairdresser on Instagram. We built our clientele using Instagram. Um, not using paid marketing. We were able to market all of our tours that we used to go on. Remember touring? Uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll be touring in 2021 or 2022. So let's, let's hope for that. But, uh, you know, we built everything on Instagram. We used to say like Instagram was made for hairdressers. Like as an industry, we took over that platform. It was incredible. Um, and then TikTok came out and I really feel like Clubhouse is was made for coaches. And so this was our time to shine. But one thing we've been doing is like really trying to get into the other avenues of social media, because it's like, why not reach everyone? There's, we teach generation, generational marketing all the time. And when you really look at all the social media accounts, there is a different generation assigned to each one. Pretty much. We got the millennials on Instagram, the Gen X and, you know, boomers on Facebook. We have the Zen, uh, Gen Z on TikTok, And I feel like clubhouse is a 
it's like New York city. It's like a hosh posh of everybody. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it's one of those things of like, okay, now we're at a point where we can start to focus on other avenues to reach everyone. And I think that's, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I'm super impressed with clubhouse and kind of what, what, how it's positioned coaching, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest and frank with you. I mean, we're, we're starting to pick up guests. I mean, I, I'm starting to vet, um, uh, Instagram. I mean, uh, clubhouse, I'm starting to vet clubhouse looking for guests, you know, and, and, and our goal has been, you know, we're in a different, we're, although we're, we're all in the hair space, you know, our podcast kind of sits in a different space than yours does. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're trying to like reach for our goal this year is to reach outside of the industry. Can we bring valuable conversation from outside of the industry into our podcast? So, you know, like in a couple of weeks, we have like a guy who's a Navy SEAL who's going to talk about resiliency and, 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 so and cool. how to be resilient. That's amazing. And that kind of stuff. And, and then we're bringing on a woman who's a PhD. Her name is Dr. Ruth. I didn't make that up, but, uh, <laughs> But she's going to talk about. Is she the real Dr. Ruth? No, she's not the real. Well, uh, she's not Dr. So I, I met Dr. Ruth because Josh Groban did a talk with her and she is the most amazing person <laughs> in the entire world. But I'm sure the Dr. Ruth, you know, is also amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, she um, she we actually have a client named Dr. Ruth, too. But Battle of the Ruths. <laughs> the Battle of the Ruth. Yeah, but she's going to um, she's going to talk about uh, what are the pillars of high performance people. So she so she's doing her. She, she's done her PhD on high performance people and, and how they think and how they react and how they do all that stuff. So anyways, I mean, th- this is kind of how we're using clubhouse is to kind of vet, like, um, to kind of vet the, uh, we're taking a picture. I did. Cool. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we're, we're looking at it about how can we help the industry from, from outside of the industry. So that's, that's kind of how we've been using clubhouse, but I want to get, I want to get back into you guys and, and I want to go, let's go down controversial street. Shall we? Yeah. Yes. That's our favorite okay. street. We live on that street. I know. <laughs> we built that street. I feel like. <laughs> you guys walk out of your house and your house been TP'd or something. Yeah. Well, well, you can see they're already and, breaking in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, let's get right into it. And I think this is probably going to go to David because I heard him talk pretty eloquently about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like David or, or Sid or, or destroy the hairdresser. What do you mean? We're not going to sell retail. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, this is a good one. This is a good one, man. Cause you, uh, you shook me a little bit and then, and I don't know if you know this, but there was, as soon as you guys got off air, another clubhouse room opened up saying how much bullshit you guys are full of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> David and I laugh like when people say ridiculous things to us on Instagram I mean we we call each other and just giggle because it's coming from such a closed-minded place and a Uh fear-based place that you're just like what the hell but David I really I want you to go in this but I want to kind of give some listener consciousness about this topic real quick um and you know one of the things is too is that we used to be an artist-based industry right everything was focused on our hands and our talent and what we could create and the products were there just to support what we were doing right like they were there to support us as an artist and obviously we shifted into okay this is a money-making industry let's create product companies and you are an Aveda artist. You're a L'Oreal artist. You're a Redken colorist, right? You've been branded as not an artist and an individual, but as a product company user. And it's great. It was a brilliant business idea, right? But at the same time, it's completely taken over what we've done. Now we're a service-based industry and an art-based industry. We can't charge more. We get trapped into these vicious cycles and we're exhausted and people are going out and getting new careers. And it all stems from having 
product on our shelves. And I know that sounds crazy, but think about like even the salons. I mean, I've talked to students when we go into this, I'm like, how much inventory do you have on your shelf right now that's collecting dust? They're like 40 grand, 60 grand, 80 grand. You could open a whole second location with that. You could rip down that wall have a streamlined section for a very lucrative small brand that actually brings in product or brings in money. And you could fill that with, you know, we always say, look at the square footage of the wall. Like if each chair can bring you a minimum of 20 to $40,000 in profit as a commission salon owner, why would we not think like that? Why would we not give opportunity for artists to make money? And David, yeah. do you want to go in the affiliate link? Yeah. So to kind of piggyback on what Sid said, <clears throat> all those certifications, you're a redhead colorist, you're an Aveda artist, you're all these things. These are all made up things. You are already an incredible artist. You just have a product company that is trying to, you know, get you to sell their product by using it, by doing hair shows, by doing all these things. And every person I've ever coached is every, I would say almost every salon owner I've ever coached is like, oh yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a salon owner and I'm an educator for so-and-so. And I'm like, how much do they pay you? They're like, oh, like a couple hundred dollars for a class. I'm like, this is not worth You make more on that on one hair service. Yeah, this is not worth anyone's time. <laughs> and so unfortunately, a lot of people that come to coaching were like, the first thing you got to get rid of is not only the retail, but also you need to, you can't educate for these people unless they're going to pay you exactly how much it costs for that entire day. So if you're going to make $2,000 that day, that's how much they should pay you to go teach a class. Because let me tell you, they're making way more than $2,000 on that. And we used to work for product companies. So we're not, we're not just hating on them. We, we used to do this. We used to sell this idea and, you know, retail doesn't really make us a lot of money. Everyone I know that loves arguing with us on, on any, on any platform, they're like, well, I make an extra 50,000 from product. And I'm like, let's, you know, when you do the whole equation, no, you don't, you have 50,000 that you've made it's like looking at your your service, what you brought in. You're like, we brought in $100,000. We brought in $500,000. No, you, you took home 50. Yeah, you brought in $500,000, but how much did you actually make? And I think that's the equation that they don't fully understand is that you have to basically sell a product over six times before it starts profiting. When you do a haircut. Oh, whoa, 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 slow down. So, so my one, hold on, hold on, so, so Tony's my client and you're saying until he buys his sixth bottle of shampoo from me, is that, is that how, is that what you're saying? Yeah, because basically the first, the first sale is covering the purchase. The second sale is covering commission. The third sale, you're covering all of your costs and it's basically not till the sixth time that you've sold something where you actually profit, but you're still paying taxes on it and you're still paying commission on it, essentially. And let's be real, people don't usually buy sick, like you have those diehards that are obsessed with product and can afford it and buy it constantly, but it really is, it isn't something that every one of your clients are doing. So like I David love, said, I, like, I had one person that was like, well, my dad sells um, like um, dishwashers mm -hmm. and he makes great, and it's, that's a retail company and he makes great. I'm like, that re that dishwasher is not marked up one time. Mm -hmm. That dishwasher is marked up two, three, four, five times. Your, your dad bought it for very cheap. So if you're selling a product line where you can mark it up 200, 300, 400%, then yes, you'll def you're going to make money. That's why people that make their own product will profit on it. But when you're just marking it from $10 to $20, 
you're not making the profit on it. They're paying your staff for it too. So, you know, like, yeah, you made $50,000, but then you have to spend $30,000 over the year to buy back back bar. And then you're paying 10% of that profit of 20,000 to the staff. And it's just like, I, I, like why put so much money into it again, when you could actually make profit off of having well, the question, the, the real question is why am I spending money when I can be making it? Exactly. Yeah. And we're very big on like limit your overhead, streamline your overhead. Like what, just because you've been told that you have to have all these products in there. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen product companies rip salons apart. Like I remember a salon I worked for in Florida, you know, 15 years ago, they decided that they weren't going to carry the makeup part of this product company. And they took their sign away. They took them off the website. So they couldn't even be known as the product company salon because, or you have to buy in $50,000 and then you have to have every new line. We're going to give you free education, which isn't free because you actually paid for it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you some of the challenges that I've had with retail being, and we're and Tony and I are sweet owners. So, you, you know, the big one for me, the one that, you know how like just sometimes you have to pay it, you have to write a check and you just hate it. It's like the worst check <laughs> you have to write ever. You know, some checks, you, you know, you can... You know, a thousand bucks for a TV. You're like, oh, that's easy. Yeah, you know, exactly. A thousand bucks. You Doing know, a color order is like ooh. It, it's brutal, right? But but I don't even mind that because I, I feel like there's some kind of return on that. What I hate and what what's my pet peeve is that I'm paying twenty dollars in shipping and I'm only ordering a hundred dollars worth of product. Oh well, if order. you but if you order a hundred thousand dollars, they'll give you free shipping. Oh right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> that's worth it, right? That's one of my that's one of my big pet peeves about it. I'm like, man. You know, that like, like I'm, I'm, this is a big percentage. It's not like 1% of the purchase. Now it's become like 20% of my purchases now is now, um, is now shipping. But guess what, David, to your point, I can't mark it up more than a hundred percent because that's what, not what the suggested retail is. And the last thing I want them to do is then to cross check me on, on like uh, Amazon because then, it, then and they are, they already did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So well, let's talk about a, a solution though, because I think this how we, you mm-hmm. know, we always try to like stir it up you know, to get like people to listen. And I think the ones who stay to listen are the ones that have really desire to change. And that's what, that's what we're doing. Right. But we do have solutions based around this and the solution is affiliate links. And this is something that we talk about a lot because why, you know, our students that were using affiliate links during pandemic, they actually were able to bring in income from anywhere from a thousand dollars, roughly like that was the minimum amount to one of my a students month. brought in $6,000 in a month selling retail on her Instagram through affiliate links. And rather than doing like, I have to meet people at a door and pandemic and they're ordering bags of product. It's like- All these people that were making like gift bags. I'm like, okay. (laughs) First off, let another company- do your shipping. And so right. working with more boutique lines like Hair Story or Reverie or Colton King or, you know, like really streamlining what you're doing with these with these product lines, they're doing the shipping for you. There's subscription set up. When we have clients, like rather I have no product in the space that I do here. I use the product and then while they're processing, I actually set them up for a subscription and it's just done. It comes to their door. I make money off of it. It's just effortless. And also for those of you that don't know what an affiliate link is, essentially you get a link from the product company that you like or the multiple product companies that you like. You can use it on your bio. You can give it on your Instagram bio. You can give it to your clients. And basically when they go and purchase it, you're making around 30% profit and you don't pay shipping. You don't pay a commission to anyone. You're just getting that 30%. Yeah. You pay taxes on it. You pay taxes on everything, but um, you're getting, uh, I mean, 
the percentage that you're getting from affiliation is, I mean, astronomically bigger. And you're only purchasing back bar, which is very minimal because it's just a few items. So, and I think our biggest point was we don't, we don't hate retail. You don't make money off retail. We love products as hairdressers. Mm -hmm. I mean, we love products and I, we just really want to like get the hairdresser back in control of their relationship with product companies. And I think that that's what people are missing from our message is like, stop selling retail. And then you tell the retail company exactly what you want to do. Take back your power. But what you'll, what you, what we've heard a lot of times is, um, well, you know, we, so we decided to stop selling retail and we're only carrying like maybe four products that we really like that we're going to carry in the salon, which is great. And we asked for an affiliate link and they said, no. And we said, we asked why. And they said, because you, you carry it in the store. And then the next thing is, so we're going to stop carrying it in the store and then we're going to need an affiliate link. And they're like, well, because you already have this relationship with us, we're not going to do that. And that's where what's happening with hairdressers is like all the hairdressers need to go to the companies and say, give us an affiliate link. And we, we want to start selling less on our shelves. We want to remove our shelves. We want to use that as working space and we want to carry what we want to carry. And we want an affiliate affiliate link for all of our clients. And if you work for a company that doesn't want to do that for you, then maybe it's time to. If we're going to make this shift, we have to do it together. And I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, well, I have a link with, you know, the product company and they're, this is what they're doing rather than creating an affiliate link where they don't have to carry in store anymore. They're still carrying in store, but if they carry a certain dollar amount of products, now they can get their own website link. So then they can put that on their their website and it's it's so messed up. It's the same game. Yeah, you've followed, you've fallen for the bullshit. Well, what's funny too is that the hairdressers, I don't know if the hairdressers as owners realize that they're the customer. Yeah. (laughs) I think they are convinced that they are part of the process. They're not part of the process. They're the final customer. And what you do after that, the product company doesn't care because they... Mm -hmm. You already bought the product. They don't care if it sits on the they shelf. Made the, they made the sale. So when your rep comes to you and sells you product, you're not on a team. That's like saying that you're on a team with your client to sell product. You're not. You The client is there to purchase. That's how you make money. The Does anybody the same. remember Avon and Mary Kay? Like, it's the same <laughs> damn thing. You purchase at least with them, stuff. At least with them, you're making consistent revenue yeah. into the future. <laughs> but you purchase kits of stuff and then you, it's your responsibility to sell it. So if it sits on your shelf, the product companies do not care as long as you are buying more product for them. And so that's why it's frustrating as like as salon owners, because you're like, I already have a ton of products. What do you mean you want me to put another line in? And oh, wait, like, no, it's holiday. Now you got to buy holiday. Oh yeah. You have to right. buy holiday stuff. You have to do this. <laughs> right. And it's like, sell it all, get rid of it. My favorite, it. Is, my favorite is we're not, you know, retail sales are really slow. Well, we do have the travel size. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how the, the product company, they'll buy back the uh, products, but they'll give you credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they just made double the sale. Yeah, <laughs> it's so exactly. genius. It's, that's why I said it's a brilliant business model. And, and, but they'll also they'll give you credit, but they'll also charge you ten percent for it, right? Yeah. They charge yeah. you like a restock and, and you have to pay for shipping to send okay. it back. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. So here's here's a couple of challenges that 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 I've had personally that Tony and I have had um, is that we've tried to do the affiliate thing. I got to be honest, it's just cumbersome. Like like it's just like oh, well, we company. don't know who you're using, but I think that's the thing is you're you're probably trying to do an affiliate link with a company that is trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. Um, like we work with Hair Story. They we've worked with Hair Story since 2016. Before like since we were we even started. talking about it, yeah. And they have mastered 
the affiliate link situation. I mean, literally it's the, if you, if you just go to uh, hairstory.com slash DTH, you can try their stuff for free. You get signed up. You, they have the subscription, like you can sign your, I have all of my clients on subscription. Like Sid Mm -hmm. said, like they just get their orders and I just get paid and I don't have to ever talk about products again. And it's amazing. I mean, I won't even know. I'll look at it and be like, Oh, so-and-so bought products. I didn't do anything. But they I just think bought it, it themselves. I think it is cumbersome for the people that are like bigger companies are trying to figure out how to do it mm-hmm. because the problem is where hair story said, how do we get the hairdresser to make more money? Product companies are saying, how do we make we sure make we money. still make more money? Okay. I'm and, about to get on my soapbox right now. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, um, but during this pandemic, it should have been the brand's responsibility since we've kept them in business for so long. It should have been the brand's responsibility. They should have gotten together and they should have done a whole marketing campaign that our salons are safe to work in. That was their responsibility because as individual hairdressers, we can't do that. And the only people that have the resources um, to do the resources and the capital to do that were the brands and the brands had to get together. But I was so, but it feels like to me that the brands were so much looking in the mirror saying, how can we benefit from this? That they didn't say, how can we benefit from this. Yeah, and- they're not a part of our collective we in the industry. And I will say, and I'm going to call them We're out. the customer. Olaplex did this shitty thing. And I saw a lot of other companies do this as well, where they started affiliate links during pandemic mm-hmm. to make more money and mm-hmm. you got more money. So yes, you could sell things from their website. They were taking care of the shipping. They were doing everything. And then they ended it. And when people were like, wait, where's my 50% commission? Cause they were doing a high commission rate. Uh, they were like, well, we only did that for pandemic. They took it away. And so it's like, that just goes to show you. And they cut it off. Even your sales you had, they cut it off on a date. Mm -hmm. And so So you lost money when, when your clients are still going and buying products through that link, you're not. not And you, and you've converted them to doing that. So now you've. So I don't use Olaplex anymore because that was shitty. And I'm not about that life. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, where you spend your money is more powerful than where you, how you vote. And I think that what people need to understand, especially as hairdressers, is that we are the ones spending the money. They need us. And that's what we're, when we say we don't want you to carry retail, we want you to do affiliate. There's two things. We want you to make money and we want you to take back control over your relationship with the product company. And for anyone that thinks we're crazy, they, it's because they probably work with really tightly a product company. But I hate to tell you, the future is not your a strong relationship with product companies. It's been and, brainwashed. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, and I get it. Like, it is a cult. When David and I worked for Aveda, and listen, like, we we love we love Aveda. The like, witnesses. We we <laughs> literally learned so much of what we we got so much out of working for that company, but we also learned so much, and that's why we created just for the hairdresser because we wanted to bring it back, right? But one of the things that you know we we really were taught were like we were taught to just sell product constantly, and we were taught to like force it down to people's throat, and we were taught you know like to be a part of this cult. And the 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 it was like almost like um a little triggering when we left. There was so much fear of leaving the brand. And we literally left to move to New York City to create Destroy the Hairdresser. So we were just like, what is going on? Like, it was so fearful to leave a company that we've spent our whole careers being a part of. I mean, we we went to the schools, we worked in the schools, we taught, we, you know, we, we were the hobo witnesses. What's really funny is when I was, when we worked for Aveda and I came back from Fashion Week to tell them that I was leaving, 
Um, by the way, I asked for a raise, but they said, we're not going to give you a raise, but we'll send you to fashion week, which by the way, cost more than the raise that I was asking for. <laughs> and, um, so I went on their dime and got a new, another job and <laughs> I came, that's Think when I got my job moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got another job with, uh, Sally Hirschberger, so I don't regret it. And I went to, I went back and I said, listen, I am leaving, but I want, you have the chance to say, to show the students that, uh, you know, at Aveda that this is what happens when you work here. You can have these really great opportunities. And when we, he was the, you know, the director and everyone, they were fighting with me about, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do this. I'm like, you're missing out on what this can actually, I'm leaving either way. Mm -hmm. So right. you either are going to have to just let me leave and, and not talk about it, or you can celebrate that I'm going to work for this amazing hairdresser in New York City as a way of showcasing what happened here? And they were like, no, 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 no. And no, left. it was more of like, David left us. Yeah. And then they knew so, we were a package deal and they were so afraid that I was going to leave too, <laughs> that they gave me a raise. And then, <laughs> and then I ended up leaving anyways. Like, so, but it was just so messed up because we had been fighting for raises. I mean, we were bringing in the top product sales. We were pushing out the top stylist. Our stylist. This is why we have this experience. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't, you know, the, the thing is, it's like a lot of our students, they still, reach out to us and they're like, you taught us everything. And, and nothing was shown about the success of what the educators and the schools created outside in the industry. And I think that is a missing piece. It was all about the products and not about the artists that we were creating as a company. And they're, they're missing that, that like, and they're so scared to not make money that they're missing these opportunities. And it's, it's every product line. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's, we could talk about, we could do, we could do retail. We could do an hour on retail, yeah. but, but there's so much more stuff that we want to get into. All right. Let's go to the next topic. <laughs> Just hourly. join us on Clubhouse. We're always talking about it. So. <laughs> How about hourly? Let's oh, talk about this is my favorite. Yeah. This is thing. Sid's topic. I literally just posted a reel today about it. Um, hourly is so important in our industry. One, it brings back how I was talking about bringing back the artistry to the artist you're charging for your time. You're sitting with me for this amount of time. I am valuable. This is how much I'm worth, right? It's not based on the services you're getting. You don't get to decide I'm the professional as what you're getting. You tell me what you want. I'm going to tell you how much time it's going to cost. Second, it's gender affirming. It's gender neutral. This is huge. We need to stop putting a gender label on a service. It does not matter what gender you are, what race you are, what kind of hair you have. If you are coming in and you are getting something from me, you are paying for the time to sit in my chair. It also streamlines the service menu. Hello, like how many salons have you seen where there's 19 options? I will not go to a business. I won't even sit down in a restaurant if the menu is overwhelming like that. Let's streamline <laughs> it, simplify it. Let's when you go to a it diner, easy. it's like eight pages. And then you I'm go like, to a fancy I wanted restaurant. eggs, but now I'm like, I don't <laughs> you know. You go to a like, fancy restaurant, it's like 10 options and you can't substitute anything. Like yeah. this is what it is. Keep it and you know what? They're so busy and so successful. So let's you know, can we break that down a little bit? Like, mm -hmm. for instance, okay, so we, we were just talking about products, but we have back bar, we have station products, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, this is my favorite. Mm -hmm. How do you so, factor all that in? Yeah, how do you factor that in your hourly rate? So we no also one, say no tipping, so let's, let's yeah, just that's add another, that Yeah, that's another, that's another thing. Um, so everyone I've talked to that's like numbers-based, benchmarking-based, they're like, and, you know, they they use things like salon scale, so they're, they're really educated on how much things cost. Mm -hmm. You have to remember that that's our job to figure out. The client 
The overhead is the stylist's responsibility. Yeah, the client's not like, hmm, I wonder how much tubes of coming tubes of color they used and if they're going to check the client does not give a shit about how much processes go on they they want to know exactly how much something's going to cost and how long it's going to take so as a hairdresser it is our job to factor in those things it's it's our job to say okay this is what i want to make hourly this is what my costs are this is what i'm marking out of it it's just math like okay this is what i want to charge hourly and then let's t- let's subtract everything on average that it's going to cost me to do these things I'm, I don't do that kind of math. I don't think in that way. I'm someone who's like, I want to make. What am I worth? Know, what I want to make. I want to make $200,000 a year. I know I'm going to sacrifice product because it's already part of, that's just what we do. I mean, it's already part of the process. I'm already paying that now. So that, you know, I think. And not charging enough. You're paying that now and enough. not charging enough. So I think when you look at your, when you look, there's two things to look at. One, what are you currently charging hourly? Versus, because that's all what you're currently charging hourly is I guarantee you less than what you should be. Mm-hmm. And you're not worried about your costs eating into that. So why are we so worried about our costs eating into double that? Do you know what I mean? So I want it, you to, yeah, you can do the math, but like you're already losing. Why sometimes not people just, do the math to make excuses. I come from that world, right? Like, like yeah. I said, I kind of, I, we I all do. I came in from a, you know, a summit kind of world where, you know, you, it's the add-ons and it's the product. I mean, the, the problem that I have or the problem that I'm, I'm under trying to understand is that like a color retouch would cost me $4 in product, but mm-hmm. then like a vivid color would cost, you know, it could, it could but be it also like takes you longer. Mm-hmm. You're also me, getting paid because it's I taking longer to as well. It. If you go to a bagel store, okay. And the bagel <laughs> store charges, it's a $2 bagel right? You know, it's a $2 bagel and you go to pay for that $2 bagel and it's $7. And you're like, it says it's a $2 bagel. And you're, they're like, oh, well, you know, expense costs because I got to pay rent. <laughs> you as a consumer are like, fuck your bagel. But if I walked in and saw that it was a $7 bagel, I wouldn't think twice. I knew I was paying $7 for a bagel and I would buy it. And so that's that- a different conversation, Sid. <laughs> right. I mean, that's not the same conversation. <laughs> Why? Because, well, because now you now you now you now you're making me think. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> nothing ever. No, 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 no. To 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 over to, to overcharge it. You yeah. know, to, 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 for, for it to be something that's not on the menu, you know, I mean, whether you like a thousand things on a menu or not, I mean, that's why those menus are but set But we're up. doing that now. How many times in your booking system is a haircut 35, but the, or the color 65, let's say color, right? Huh? The color 65, but then there's a, uh, $8, you know, service charge. The client is paying a flat amount. They don't know how it's broken up and behind the scenes. So that's huh. my point. Like it, we cannot, it is not our job to tell clients that we are raising our prices because of cost. That is our responsibility as someone has taken the risk to Respect. create a business. That's the expenses that we we take on. So when we're talking about building a price, I love, you know, what David and I really say is, how much do you want to make? Because expenses are part of that. So if you want to bring in $200,000, you know that there's going to be a certain percentage that are going to overhead, rent, color costs, back bar. And that's and- already happening without a larger hourly rate. So my our point is, if you... If you've already figured out 
what that is and you charge accordingly, going hourly and raising that price point is only going to benefit. You already factored it in. You only factored it in one time. The factor doesn't change as you raise your prices. Mm-hmm. The factor of cost is here. Your prices as they keep going go like this. This is your earning process. No one can see me on the podcast. This is your earning process. You only factor in the product that one time. You've already done that with your current pricing. Anything hourly that you charge now is going to be more than that. And you don't need to keep factoring it in. It's already been factored. Got it. I want to say something about, you know, we say no tipping. And I think just start doing hourly. You can work the tip in eventually. But my point is we teach generational marketing and Gen Z's, which is really, you know, younger millennials and Gen Z's are the future of our clientele. And we pay for experience and we invest our money in things that have value. I followed you on Instagram. I want to go see you. I just got a facial done last weekend because I've been following this girl on Instagram forever. And that's why I went to her. And so people want the experience of what they're seeing on the day to day. So my, my point is you have to come from a place of like, how can I start focusing on building value in my business? Because when I say to a Gen Z, it's going to cost you $300 for your appointment. They're coming in with exactly $300 because their thought process is you told me that's what it costs. That's what I'm giving you. I'm saving all my money. That's why you see like younger kids that are 16 working at Chick-fil-A, but they have a Louis Vuitton because they saw value in that and they saved their money to buy that price. They didn't fight the price. So we're like, why not just build that in instead of living off our tips and valuing ourselves off of are worth off of what people Why are giving us. Why be Spirit Airlines when you can be Emirates? Exactly. <laughs> Come on, people. We have to elevate this industry together. Can you imagine if everyone in the industry said, fuck everything. We are all charging $100 an hour. Everybody a minimum. In the industry, a minimum. What would happen? What would happen if we all said, we are charging a minimum $100 an hour? And I do not want to hear, it's because of location. I can't charge that in my location because- most of our clients, most of our students are in, in really small towns and they're charging a hundred, 150, $200 an hour and they're killing it. And you know why? Because people in every area want something valuable. Just Don't because assume you know what you want. Your clients want to spend yeah, money and just, on. just because it's not there now doesn't mean people don't want it. If I live in a small town, I want to go to something fancy and spend my money on something that's, you know, elite, feeling more elite. And I want that feeling, right? That's what people are buying. And I think when it comes, you know, going back to like, factoring all those things in, there's a million formulas that you can do, but two plus two is four. You don't have to like, I mean, it doesn't matter what spreadsheet you use, doesn't matter what formula you use, you're already paying for, you're already paying for costs. Raising your prices is only going to better your income. Right. I like that. Just, you know, know your cost, factor that into your hourly rate and make what you want to make. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. Like every rate, every, every price increase at, 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 in the future, right? It's just an ad. It's just more money. Also. So that money goes directly into your pocket. It's not going into like anybody else's pocket. Right, Sid right. and David, I hate to do this, but we got to get out. Um, <laughs> we, that, that time flew by. We're going to have to do it again. Here's what, but right. I, I'm about to make we have it. have you on recording. We heard that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I would love to do if, if you guys are, are, are down for it is um, I'd love to put together a program and then like, in meaning like if we can get on and we can record for a couple of days and then let's do like a couple short like segments, like 20 minute segments and let's release like six weeks in a row or let's, let's release like a series of destroy the hairdresser. And let's do a clubhouse together. 
We'll definitely do a clubhouse together. Um, we'll, we'll once we work out the uh, the release date on this, maybe we can jump on and uh, and we just we can, we can kind of promote this. Awesome, this I love it. We can got to get on it. All right, so Dave and Sid, I don't know who's going to take the lead here, but how can we find you? Where do people come and find you? Sid can take the lead. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, go to com. If you're looking to get a coach, there is a form right on the first page. You can fill it out. We will assign you with a coach or you can go to our coach page and find a coach for yourself and figure out which one is best for you. If you just want to start connecting with us and start just really diving into what we're creating and what we're talking about, you can find us on any available platform that podcasts are available, Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast, or Instagram at destroy the hairdresser or clubhouse destroy the hairdresser. Boom. Just type in destroy the hairdresser on Google. You'll find us. You'll find us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm very hopeful that once you guys get on the road, we can, uh, we can actually meet in person uh, because it's the the one thing about like the social media thing is like, you think you have these friends that you've never met before. (laughs) You've never like slapped fives or given hugs. And I got my first hug the other day from a client. We're we're both like, we're both fully vaccinated. We're like, Oh, hug it out. You know? So, um, so hopefully we'll get back to there. Um, But guys, thank you for the friendship. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks Absolutely. For Thanks for like, bringing us on again. Oh, you, you have an open seat here. I mean, one of, <laughs> we're gonna have to decide which one gets uh, the open seat. But you Thanks know, for letting us uh, share because I know a lot of people are afraid to do that, um, just because it reflects on you who you host. You know, so yeah. we appreciate you having the conversation, being open, and letting people hear the other side of some of the things we talk about. I, I I love what you guys are up to. Um, so you know, it's big it, fans. It, it's truly our honor. Great. So. Dave and Sid, thank you guys very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon. And we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>